Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. NetHealth has created the Redoc Patient Portal to help you maintain strong relationships with your patients. It provides secure line of communication between you and your patients. You can use it for video conferencing, for telehealth, secure messaging, shared documents and photos, and your patients have 24-7 secure on-demand access to their therapy health information without phone calls and voice messages. If you want to learn more, contact NetHealth at Redoc, that's R-E-D-O-C, at nethealth.com. Okay, on to today's episode. So today we're going to be talking about a recently published scoping review in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, which is the relationship between rugby union and health and well-being. And I have the author of that scoping review on the podcast today, Dr. Stephen Griffin. So Stephen is a junior doctor based in London pursuing a career in sport and exercise medicine. He is a sports medicine training fellow at the Rugby Football Union, deputy editor at the British Journal of Sports Medicine, and also a part-time PhD student at the University of Edinburgh, where he is researching the topic of rugby union and health and well-being. Stefan also works clinically with a wide range of elite sports teams, including Chelsea Football Club and London Irish Rugby Football Club. So like I said, this is uh, based on his paper, which is a scoping review in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. If you want the link to that review, you can go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. So in today's episode, we learn about the different forms of rugby, uh, the findings of his research regarding health and well-being benefits associated with playing rugby. So a huge thanks to Dr. Griffin for coming on the podcast and everyone enjoy. Hey, Stefan, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. Thank you very much for the invitation, Karen. It's, um, it's a real privilege to, to have been asked to come on and to have a good chat with you. Yes, and for those of you who may think to yourself, God, this voice sounds familiar, it's because Stefan is the host of many, many podcasts for BJSM. So if you have the chance, definitely, and you haven't listened to BJSM podcasts, definitely go over and listen to all of them because they're all really wonderful. So, um, but this is your first time on the other side which I find hard to believe. It is, yeah, absolutely. As you said, it's something I've been doing for a few years for the journal now. And yeah, it's, the, it's very strange to be on the other side of the podcast. So um, a different set of nerves. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it. And, Great. And, uh, well, thank you so much. And today we're going to talk about a recent review that was published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine, the relationship between rugby union and health and well-being, which was a scoping review uh, with you and also our good friend, uh, Nim, um, but, uh, amongst other wonderful authors, but let's start out with the basic why behind this review. Yeah, sure. And I think that the main why about this is that it was just, it's just a completely unexplored area. So I'm sure that, you know, for people in America, maybe their perception of rugby probably comes from a friend's episode with Ross, where I think he comes out pretty battered and bruised. 
Um, and actually, that's actually not too dissimilar to a lot of the perceptions in the, in the kind of the health and, and the sports science, sports medicine research landscape. We know about rugby's relationships with injuries and concussions. They're highly publicized and probably it, rugby is a victim of its own success in that because it's leading on player welfare and it's you know, really pushing the boundaries in terms of trying to make it as safe a game as possible, everyone's very aware of, um, of the inju injurious nature of the game. But what I think, and for me personally, I've, I'm, I'm Welsh by birth, so uh, you know, brought up on rugby. And you know, there are 10 million people playing the game of rugby and they don't play this blind to the fact that there are risks associated with it. So we know, people know there are benefits to it, but looking at the actual scientific literature, there is nothing really providing a big picture um, overview of some of the, the health and well-being benefits associated with the sport. Um, and really, uh, as we know, to make an informed decision about anything in life, be that sport, be that buying a car, for instance, people need to know the the data surrounding the risks and the benefits and you know we had a lot of the former um, so what we what this really has been has aimed to do is provide you know some ev some evidence uh, not just emotion around um, some of the benefits associated with the sport so really it's a piece that hopefully provides um, balance to the to the wider picture now and what did what did the review find so what were those benefits to health and well-being yeah, sure. And, and before we jumped on the call, I, we kind of discussed the different types of rugby. So I'll probably just spend a tiny bit of time just covering and providing a tiny bit of context. So um, in, what we wanted to do is, is rugby, as we've mentioned, the friends episode, there is the contact form of rugby union, which is, you know, this collision game. As if you're tuning in on a Saturday afternoon, typically here, especially in, in well-established rugby countries like England, like New Zealand, and you know, it is growing in, in the US and over in Canada as well. You know, that's the contact forms of the game. Um, there are other forms of rugby. So there's non-contact rugby, um, such as touch rugby, which is basically a glorified version of, of the game tag with a ball involved. Um, and there's also something called tag rugby, which generally people wear a belt with the Velcro strips and a tackle is where you manage to grab one of those Velcro tag, uh, tags off. Um, the other form of rugby then that we looked at was wheelchair rugby which is, uh, I think, given the, the lovely nickname of murder ball. Um, but actually, we want to... <laughs> so you may have, uh, some of the listeners may have heard of murder ball being referenced, and there's some wonderful um, documentaries on Netflix, you know, that really provide a good insight into the game. So basically, if, if, by breaking it down to the type of rugby, we then wanted to break it down further so people who read the review could really look to see exactly where the benefits lay. So if we kind of look at it from, um, and I'll split it into, into some themes that some listeners might be, uh, might be familiar with. So as we know, a big, I mean, the World Health Organization Physical Activity Guidelines came out yesterday. Um, so if we look at physical activity, so we know this is a huge global health priority at the moment. And our research found that all forms of rugby, be that contact, be that non-contact and wheelchair rugby, uh, can provide health enhancing, moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity, which, which really wasn't well known before. And then now it, puts, it allows people like governing bodies and policymakers to align the sport of rugby with some of those global health priorities. Um, 
as, as we all know as practitioners, as practitioners, muscle strengthening, balance, coordination, are again, huge parts of these physical activity guidelines. And although we didn't find any studies that really look, in, look, look at that per se, we found that lots of national population surveys, which are really based on expert consensus, consider rugby and all sports such as rugby to provide some of these benefits as well. So again, that was a um, kind of a landmark finding of, of this study. Um, in terms of the, we then looked at different kinds of health benefits. So we first of all wanted to look at physical health and we stratified by, that by different domains. So for instance, cardiovascular health, respiratory health, musculoskeletal health. And probably the best way to summarize this is non-contact rugby and wheelchair rugby have very uh, supportive research kind of around that, you know, that rugby can provide quite significant physical health benefits. In terms of contact rugby, which is kind of the traditional form of the game, there's a real mix there. Lots of mixed studies um, and also just a lot of conflicting findings as well. Although a lot of the studies that look at, um, that, you know, look to control for things like age, um, you know, some of the demographic variables did show some supportive um, data that is conflicted by some other studies. And, you know, what we couldn't do as part of this scoping review was really delve into the pros and cons um, of each of those individual studies. So in terms of, in terms of contact rugby, slightly more mixed findings in terms of physical health. Um, mental health and kind of well-being, so psychosocial measures such as quality of life and, and things. Again, non-contact rugby and wheelchair rugby, you know, rugby can provide a real wide raft of, um, of mental health and well-being benefits. And most of the research in the contact game was, was, was focused on professional athletes. Uh, and that found that you know, symptoms of common mental disorders um, were higher in, in professional players compared to general population. Um, though that is, you know, similar actually to professional athletes in other sports such as football and things. Um, and then the last thing, as we've, as we've discussed right at the very top, um, was the injuries associated with the game. Mm. Because what we were very aware of is that it would have been all well and good us just providing the health benefits. But also, you know, we didn't, we, although we didn't have the capacity to look at every single injury study to do with rugby, we looked at all the systematic reviews and meta-analyses around this. And as people are very well aware, rugby compared to other sports has a higher injury profile um, and especially around concussion and things. So, so yeah, so sorry, that answer probably a bit, tiny bit longer, but just to kind of try and break it down a little bit, um, you know, in terms of the different types of rugby and then the various dom kind of health domains. Yeah, no, that was great. So let's break it down even further now. So let's say I am a player or I'm a parent um, of a child who uh, we want them to have these benefits of physical activity. And if rugby is something that maybe we're looking at to accomplish that, uh, what does this review mean to that parent or to that player? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, six months ago, if you, I mean, uh, if I was a, if I was a, if I was a parent, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, do I want my kid to play rugby? Then I probably would have done, you know, Google search health and well-being rugby, and the vast majority would have been around purely to do with, 
you know concussions penis, concussion injuries and yeah so i'm not letting my kids anywhere near this kind of sport exactly um, although you know rugby unions and, and people know there are you know loads of testimonials as i said at the top of the podcast there are 10 million people playing rugby they ha- there has to be a benefit it's just probably the science is a bit slow to to catch up people can you know kids players can reach all their physical activity guidelines and tick that box by playing any form of rugby and then it's about individual perception of risks and benefit as to what kinds of rugby they want to play. So, for instance, you know, you might have, I might have, I might have a child. And for me, I don't know that, you know, the research shows that uh, participants in contact rugby, they say they, they, there's re- qualitative research really supporting the fact that it can provide a lot of psychosocial benefits that it instills lots of confidence in people, it builds teamwork. Um, and people will say that they feel stronger by doing it. And that's across across women, across youth players, across adult players. Um, but also at the same time, you know, I think we, I'm, the, the, what the review isn't doing is saying that everybody in the world should play rugby. It's providing people with the, with kind of a, some objective data so that, you know, someone else might come along and say, okay, we want our kids to be getting, um, the, you know, ticking all the physical activity boxes because we know that it reduces the incidence of diabetes, heart disease. We know it provides X amount of benefits. But for me, the injurious side of it means that I don't want my kids or I don't want to expose myself to that risk. So what I'm going to do is look for a non-contact form Mm -hmm. of rugby um, and I'll I'll try and get, get, you know, reap the benefits by by going down that route. So, yeah, we hope that it provides an objective piece of work that can just help people make, you know, a, a, a decision based on. On, on evidence and not just pure kind of emotion and headlines. Mm-hmm. How novel, um, especially <laughs> in this day and age. Now let's go, let's move on to uh, what does this mean for the researcher? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we, we found uh, our search strategy, we found six over six and a half thousand studies of which we included 200 studies. And, you know, as, as I can as I kind of said, like having broken it down into different forms of rugby in different healthcare domains, um, there are some huge research gaps. Um, so for the researcher out there, you know, we've identified um, we've identified a lot of, of research gaps that really, you know, there are some real low-hanging fruit there that could really help then inform, help inform decisions further and provide more evidence in these areas. So for instance, I think there's a real pressing need to first of all look at populations outside of just the white 70 kg male playing player mm-hmm. so we know that i think women's rugby had a growth from 2018 to 19 excuse me if the, if the exact percentage is off i think it was a 28 percent increase in participation and it's growing in in areas such as asia especially and you know we we, we need to try and move away from just looking at um, looking at participants and looking at studies that look at the benefits or look at, you know, studies where the, all the participants are, you know, as I said, kind of white middle-class males. Mm-hmm. So that's one big thing. And looking then at, you know, we do need to do more research. We need to be, able, we need to try and quantify the, how rugby it, um, kind of integrates with the physical activity guidelines even further. Um, we need to be looking at more, um, you know, how rugby interacts with various health and wellbeing outcomes um, you know, across d- more diverse populations, as I said. Um, but also then I think, you know, I think one of the potential conclusions that a reader could get from this study is that non-contact rugby is, you know, the holy grail now of rugby. But 
actually, you know, there aren't any kind of level one studies looking at the injury risk of that. So, you know, there are a ton of, of, of research areas that we've identified that, um, that are re- going to be really important moving forward to allow people to make, you know, fully informed decisions. Excellent. And then moving on, how does this review then affect policymakers? You touched on it a little bit uh, earlier and also international federations. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by NetHealth, helping you maintain strong relationships with your patients. The Redoc Patient Portal provides a secure line of communication between you and your patients. Conduct virtual visits and have follow-up conversations with your patients via secure messaging when it's convenient for you. Patients have 24-7 secure, on-demand access to their therapy health information without phone calls and voice messages. Video conferencing for telehealth, secure messaging, share documents and photos, and view health information and appointments. To learn more, contact them at redoc at nethealth.com. Yeah, sure. So, again, so I, I've been very fortunate to... Uh, to work now for 18 months with the uh, Rugby Football Union, which is the essentially England's national governing body for rugby. Um, and two of the, the medical services director and the head of medical research there, um, Simon Kemp and Keith Stokes, are two of my two, they form part of the scientific committee of the, of the PhD and, and they're co-authors of the study. So we, it, what's been great at doing this research and doing this PhD is that we're trying to answer questions that we know are relevant to governing bodies and to policymakers. So for governing bodies, for instance, you know, we're now provi- able to provide the English rugby units of the RFU, the likes of World Rugby, who've been really receptive to this kind of research with, again, objective health, you know, objective scientific data that allows them to align the game with some of the current global health priorities, you know, be that physical activity or be that, you know, that we know that physical activity levels are down because of COVID and because of lockdowns. And, you know, could the sports such as rugby, such as football, such as tennis, play a role in actually getting, you know, increasing health globally? Um, and in terms of policymakers, again, it's, it provides, because, I th- you know, we know that sports such as rugby, and you only need to look at uh, football or soccer now, you know, there's such a huge debate around head injuries and things. And these are, these are sens- sensationalized to a certain degree, but they're also brought up in pretty, um, in high places, you know, in go- at government level. And, you know, what I'm hoping that this kind of research does is it provides, you know, a big picture for them to see and to look at and to say, well, actually, you know, we can promote rugby for, um, you know, whether it be that to kids, we can, you know, we need to, you know, make sure that rugby is a, is the welcome environment for all types of, uh, for all types of um, people and for, you know, across society, because we know that it could provide people with, with lots of benefits. And yes, we know that it might be more injurious relative, but, you know, as long as we put pressure on rugby to keep on making it as safe as possible, and that's where it's great, you know, that World Rugby and all these governing bodies have play welfare as their kind of strapline and their number one priority. But it just provides a, you know, a broad picture that people, um, that governing bodies and policymakers, like you said, can start to actually, you know, start promote things um, and to provide, you know, filter that down to individuals and, and groups. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And I love the thing that I really liked about this review um, and we sort of spoke about it before we went on the air is I loved that you included wheelchair rugby. I did not know that was murder ball, 
but now that I now I'm like, oh, okay, yes, I get that. But I thought that was really important uh, to include that because there are a lot of people in across all countries who are wheelchair bound or who maybe cannot participate uh, fully in you know a, a non-contact or contact rugby, and to include this, I thought was was really really great, and it even in the wheelchair. Uh, rugby still had all of these physical, it's still ticking the physical activity boxes, right? And still increasing muscle mass and improving cardiovascular and mental health and that feeling of a team. And so I thought that was really great. And to me, the non-contact rugby seems like a much, um, much more forgiving game for people who are like, I would never do rugby because I would like literally be in you know, laid out for days or something like that, because it looks so intimidating. Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, that's a lot of what you just mentioned, actually, is pretty much going to be our next steps in terms of what we what we do, because what we don't want to do is we don't want to sit up in almost in like a research ivory tower and say, this is our research now, go forth and, and you know, and, and you do what you want to there. We really now want to see how people perceive our, our research. Um, and, and I think rug, and rugby also wants to know what. So there's no point us that, that one of the you know one of the main points of the research being it, you know playing rugby, which is you know, contact rugby, is good for you. Therefore, everybody should do it because we need rugby. What isn't known at the moment is how different population groups might perceive those risks. So, for instance, if for instance you know someone's never played the game before. You know, is the fact that there are only really contact uh, versions of the game available locally, is that a huge barrier to them then getting involved? Um, so, so I think, yeah, you touched nicely upon, you know, some of the real practical key issues there. Um, and that's really what we want to be going on to next is kind of being able to now piece together and also pretty much providing a toolkit to not just participants, but to governing bodies that says, you know, if you want more people involved, this is what matters at the, at the coalface. And this is what you need to be providing. So um, no, yeah, yeah, you're completely right because you know, look, watching, you know, watching twenty stone, you know, two hundred fifty pound blokes run into each other on a Saturday. It's sometimes quite hard to think, how am I going to get from the sofa to that? Yeah, so, you can't even, you can't even picture it. You can't even imagine, imagine it because it looks so scary. You know, and even as, let's say, as a woman, if I were interested in playing, I wouldn't even know where to start. Right. So this research, if it can, I'm sure there's places I'm in New York City, there's got to be rugby clubs and things like that. But I wouldn't even know where to start. And so I feel like this might spark some uh, curiosity among people to say, hey, listen, I can't do the contact. I just can't do it, nor do I want to do it. But, oh, I didn't even realize there was a non-contact option. Or if you're wheelchair bound, gosh, I didn't even realize that this is something that I can do. So great parts of the research. Oh, thank you, yeah. Um, and yeah, and just to kind of touch on you at the wheelchair rugby point, yeah, we were we wanted to make this, you know, as big picture, as inclusive as possible. And that was one of the real, almost surprising things that the, the, the evidence of, you know, of benefits associated with wheelchair rugby were so significant and so wide ranging. It was, yeah, a really, a really pleasant surprise um, in a population group that isn't as well studied, you know, as we know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right. So before we start to wrap things up here, 
what do you want the listeners to take away from this discussion and also from this from this research article from this broad scoping research yeah sure i mean i think some of it is is probably a bit broad in that you know trying to you know we so so for when so for instance you know in my role with england rugby union we're looking at uh, how to reduce concussion we're looking at exact you know nailing down what the incidence is kind of across various playing groups um and, you know and that is the kind of thing that generates headlines in terms of um you know because it, it will undoubtedly as soon as something's published it's you know concussion rates up down the same for x consecutive year that is it's it's a it's a common thing whereas hopefully what this does it just provides you know people if people are aware that this now exists and there's this research going on that they can touch base with either the paper with the website kind of with um with any of our kind of like social media uh, platforms as well and can just see well actually no if i do know someone if i know a parent a player who's looking into it this is actually you know where this is where i'd go to make to be able to make a fully informed decision um so yeah we're not uh, you know the, the point of the research wasn't to show that rugby you know is this all singing all dancing wonderful sport um you know where it's always sunshine and rainbow despite the fact that for some people it it really is um but you know it's just it's just something that can provide you know as you, as you said what, what sometimes feels like a bit of a novelty at the moment just an objective um, overview so people can make fully informed decisions. Excellent. And before we end, I'm going to ask you the question I ask everyone. Sorry, I didn't bring this up to you earlier, but surprise. No. Um, so uh, knowing where you are now in your life and in your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? I think just, just keep going. That as in just keep doing what you're doing, head down and, um, hopefully everything so far it all ends up working out um, but yeah just work hard and keep going <laughs> excellent excellent advice and now where can people find you um social media websites etc yeah sure so um probably I'm, I'm most active especially from a kind of professional research point of view on twitter so uh it's at stefan griffin uh, with welsh spelling so it's two f <laughs> otherwise my mum would kill me um yeah and then there's a website www.rugbyhealthandwellbeing.com and and yeah and we and as, as, as you've mentioned at the start we published the scope review in the British Journal of Sports Medicine so it's very easy to find uh, to find the scope review on there as well so yeah and if anyone has any questions and you you know wants access to the pdf or, or anything because unfortunately it is behind a paywall then I'm obviously more than happy to provide all of that Awesome. And we will have all of this information at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com under the show notes. Uh, thank you so much, Steph, for coming on. This was great. Lovely to catch up. Lovely to see you. And congratulations on a great article. Thank you very much, Karen. It's lovely to, lovely to chat to you and glad to hear everything's going well. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. A big thank you to Dr. Stephen Griffin for a great overview on rugby and its benefits to our health and well-being. And of course, thank you to NetHealth for sponsoring this episode. They created the Redoc Patient Portal, which provides a secure line of communication between you and your patients. You can conduct virtual visits and have follow-up conversation with your patients via secure messaging when it's convenient for you. Patients have 24-7 secure on-demand access to their therapy health information without phone calls and voicemail messages. To learn more, contact them at redoc at nethealth 
nethealth.com. That's R-E-D-O-C at nethealth.com. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.